And welcome back to Devils on the Rush, episode three here. Uh, you've got your fisherman and Alex Chavance. So, Alex, it's twas the night before the NHL season. Uh, how we feeling? How was the past week? How you doing? Give us your thoughts. Yeah, so it's been a busy week uh, for me, just like on a personal level too, but also with the hockey stuff. And we just got the roster release like, what, 10 minutes before we sat down and record this or whatever. So going to be plenty to talk about on this episode. Yeah, hot off the press. Um, we have a full episode for everyone. You know, we'll give our thoughts on the final preseason games, then we'll uh, dive deep into the final roster, some interesting choices made by the organization. Uh, then we'll get into some line project line projections, uh, and then we'll uh, dive deep into some individual player expectations, predictions, uh, then team projections, and then we will finish the episode off with uh, what I think might be a fan favorite, some bold predictions for the season. Uh, uh, knowing Alex for a long time now, he, he always comes prepared with the bold predictions. So <laughs> forward to that and uh, stay tuned. Um, so let's get right into it. Uh, Alex, we, since last time we talked, there was two preseason games. We had the Bruins and the, was it the Islanders, I believe, right? I believe yeah. it was the Islanders. Yeah. Yep. On Thursday. So, yeah. It was the Islanders. Yeah. The Islanders was a, uh, less than NHL caliber roster, but the Bruins game looked to be more of a, uh, NHL ready roster. Um, so give us your give us your thoughts on those last two games. Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll start with the Islanders game. Like you said, there wasn't much. You know, they didn't play many of their NHLs. That game was a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, prospects kind of just looking for their last shot to make or leave a last impression to make the NHL roster. Um, and I that game, I guess the biggest takeaway for me was the Mackenzie Blackwood that actually didn't play that well against the Islanders. I thought it was kind of a rough game for him. But he was also playing in front of a pretty watered-down lineup. I'm not really sure what to make of it because he was solid in the, about the 30 minutes he played against the Bruins the following game. So um, there was that. Um, other than that, in the Islanders game, it was just kind of like a poor performance all around. No one really kind of stood out in that game. Uh, it was more the Bruins game where players were standing out, specifically Alexander Holtz, which I think that performance on uh, Saturday night pretty much cemented his spot on the roster. Um uh, for the, to start the season, at least. He had a goal and an assist. He looked pretty comfortable for the most part with Hughes and Palat. Uh, the assist was pretty nice. It was um, from behind the goal line, right to Hughes in the high, in a high-danger area, and Hughes just put that in on a one-timer. Easy. Uh, Umark had no chance of stopping it. Uh, and then, you know, they just kind of... They look like an NHL... The team that will make noise, uh, or at least won't be an easy out this year in that Bruins game since they started most of their NHL players in that game. And uh, Vanacek and Blackwood split duties in net, and I thought both of them played pretty well for the most part. So it was a lot of promising things, I think, in that game to close out the preseason, which is good considering you know we got our first game here this uh, a few days from now. Definitely, definitely. And back to the Holtz point, I think we saw that pass in, in many different variations throughout the preseason. Uh, he set up Hughes, I believe, in the Islanders game, the first Islanders game, with a similar pass. Uh, and then it, it just seems to be uh, a theme for Holtz. I guess he worked on it over the summer was his board play and, and his vision is really coming through with finding Jack in the slot. Um, you know, kudos to Jack for, you know, being in the right place. 
but you know Holtz definitely made a great impression in that final game and even in the Islanders game where he was not with Jack um, and other and Palat, he he still you know he didn't record a point I don't believe but he his underlying metrics were still very encouraging and and I thought he had a really strong outing to make a case to make a case for the big club yeah and that Bruins game just you know kind of pretty much built on what he had done the rest of the preseason it just he solidified that spot and I mean based on the line combinations that Ruff has used uh, throughout the preseason I would be pretty surprised if Holtz isn't starting that first game against the Flyers on Thursday with uh, Hughes and Palat so uh, that was good to see because uh, you know, I think the one maybe gripe fans kind of had this offseason was that the they did, Devils didn't get like a high-end score. Sure, they added Palat and Eric Halla, but those guys, like, they're more like second, third line production. They didn't, there wasn't like a Goudreau or a Kachuk, obviously. And I'm not saying Holtz is going to be either one of those guys, especially as a rookie, but if he can like pot an extra like 20 to 25 goals and around 50 points this season, especially since you figure he's probably going to be playing somewhere in the top six with Heischer and Hughes more often than not. Uh, that'd be a really huge uh, lift to the Devils' top six and their scoring at five on five. Yeah, I think just playing on a line with Hughes alone, you know, just through osmosis, if you will, you're <laughs> yeah. getting points, right? Yeah. You're just getting secondary, primary apples, and 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 you know, even that spectacular move uh, Hughes had coming into the to the Bruins zone the other night, uh, you know. You know, there was a lucky bounce that ended up with the puck on Holtz's stick, but Hughes just looks outrageous, looks even better than last year. So really excited to see what he can put up. And, you know, we'll touch on it later this episode, what we expect from him, and and maybe he'll sneak into one of our bold predictions. But, yeah, all signs look great for Holtz. Um, Another person that, you know, I thought was going to have a better game and – uh, final two games was was Jesper Boquist. Uh, you know, I think they really wanted to give him that shot of you know really standing out, which um, I thought they did. They put him, I believe, as a top line center for that for that Islanders game. Yeah, um, and I just didn't see it. I, I just didn't see him driving the play like I thought he might be able to. Um, I don't know. What would you think? Yeah, so that Islanders game, he definitely didn't play well. Um, he was with on a line with Holtz and Zetterland, and they just couldn't really generate much for the most part. But I thought he actually did play pretty well against the Bruins in a fourth-line role on the wing this time. Uh, he had a couple shots on goal, and he knocked the puck off Mike Riley's stick and created a chance off the rush. And you kind of wonder if maybe the Bruins saw that. We're like, oh, you know, Mike Riley, we're going to put you on waivers. I'm sure there's other events that led to it, but that didn't help his case for sure. Um, I thought that kind of performance probably saved Boquist's spot on the roster. Uh, if he hadn't played well against the Bruins, they, I think it would have been possible that they might have waived him ahead of today's deadline. So um, it's good that they kept him. I would think even when Nico Heischer comes back that he's going to be on the roster as an extra forward at worst. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but he definitely saved his, uh, roster status with that game against Bruce. I thought he played pretty well in a, at, on the wing too, which was nice. Definitely. Definitely. Now, now let's, let's get into the roster hot off the press. As you mentioned, it was dropped about 15 minutes ago before we started recording. Definitely some surprises there. Um, you know, I know we were talking offline and we're like, oh, I think we can probably start recording. And if they drop mid episode, you know, 
nothing going to be too shocking, but I, I think there was at least one name on the list that uh, I guess we were a little taken back from, and that was Nemitz. Uh, I thought he had a solid preseason. Uh, I didn't think it was one to phone home about um, or even warrant an opening day roster spot. But here he is. He's he's one of the defensemen, uh, one of the seven defensemen named. And I guess they're going to give him a little bit of a trial. I don't know if this is a paper move. Maybe they just want him to train with the big club for a couple more days or maybe the first couple weeks and then bring him down to Utica. But in, from what I saw, I, th- I saw potential. I saw a good skater. I saw a good puck mover, comfortable just some definitely some deficiencies from an NHL defending standpoint, especially on the rush. Alex, what, what do you think? What, 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 what's your thoughts on uh, Simone Nemich? Yeah. So this morning I tweeted or this afternoon, like when the waiver wire got active, I was like, Oh, and there are no other devils on waivers today. So probably shouldn't be too many surprises with the roster, but here we are. And we got a pretty big surprise. Uh, I was really surprised to see Nemitz make the initial roster uh, I just didn't think he had like a good enough preseason to even warrant being on the team, especially over Kevin Ball. I, I don't understand the move, really, uh, and especially since he's a right-handed defenseman and the Devils have Marino, uh, Severson, and Hamilton on the right side. So I'm I'm not really sure where Nemitz is going to play to start the season if they keep him uh, on the roster for a little bit here. Uh, I mean, Kevin Ball had a fantastic preseason, and I'd like... I'm kind of at a loss of words for why he's not on the roster because he made his case. Uh, Like you said, maybe this is some weird paper move that we're not sure about. And there's some like weird CBA provision that we don't know about that for Nemitz benefits for him better to be on the roster for a couple days. I have no idea, but it's just really weird. I wasn't expecting it. Maybe Kevin Ball will get called back up before the game on Thursday. I have no idea, but it was definitely a weird move. Uh, I'm going to write about it after this a little bit uh, for the hockey writers. I just don't really get it. I thought even Kevin Ball should probably be playing on opening night alongside Marino or Severson on the third pair, whichever, you know, Lindy Ruff decides to go with as their third pair defenseman on the right side. But it was definitely shocking. I, I didn't see that coming. And I don't know, maybe we'll get some clarity, clarity on it in the next like day or two. But it was definitely a surprise. Huge surprise in my eyes. I thought Kevin Ball was phenomenal this preseason. I thought he put in the work in the offseason. He displayed his physicality. He displayed his calmness on the puck. He was winning all the battles in the defensive zone, in the corners, everything you would want from a big-bodied defenseman. And to see him not make the opening day roster is a little bit disappointing. I would love to be a fly on the wall with that conversation with Fitz. Um to your point, maybe it's some paper move or we don't know, and he's back up tomorrow or the next day. But uh, I believe Amanda or, or Ryan reported that he has been assigned to Utica. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he didn't have to pass through waivers. So, you know, that that's one less concern because I'm pretty sure if he did have to pass through waivers, another team would snatch him up with this preseason. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's, it's baffling, but, you know. And fits we trust, right, Alex? Yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, I, I definitely trust in him, but I, I just don't understand the reasoning for it. I maybe they, like you said, they want him to practice with the NHL club 
a little bit because I think the Comets season starts maybe a week later than the Devils. I got to look that up. I don't think the AHL season starts right at the same time as the NHL. Then maybe that's one reason I could think of. Look that up when I'm writing my article later tonight. Um, that would make sense and get him some more practice time with the NHL club before getting him down to AHL. And like, if that's the case, then Ball would probably miss maybe two or three games or something like that. You, maybe they figure, oh, Brendan Smith is probably going to start on, on the third pair. Um, so why don't we have Ball play in Utica for a little bit? And we'll have Nemitz get some practice time here. And then when the AHL season starts, we kind of flip them and Kevin Ball comes up. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here, whatever comes to my mind first right now. Because it's, it's definitely a weird decision. But other than that, I thought there weren't really... I think I, everything else is pretty straightforward with the Devils roster. Um, yeah, Bernier went on LTIR, and then Thompson and Heischer were on IR retroactive to their injury dates, which none of that was a surprise. But uh, yeah, I mean, they left they gave us one stunner to talk about. At least there's that, I guess. Definitely. I, and to your point with Nico and Tice on the IR, I think it's important to note they can be activated yeah, at any time. Right. That's they why I said will, like you know, retroactively to their injuries, which is I think they said in the articles like September 26th for Nico and the 29th for Thompson. Right. So they can come off anytime. Exactly. I'm the eternal optimist, as Alex will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I still believe Nico will be there Thursday night uh in philadelphia i will be in attendance so if you do see me come please say hi even though none of you know who i am <laughs> so but do please come say hi uh, we'll be in attendance uh on thursday now to some other uh roster moves we saw andreas Janssen and mason gearston get waived as well let's go first with andreas Janssen. alex thoughts yeah, so I'm not too surprised by that move. He just didn't really have a good preseason at all, uh, especially when you compare him to some of the other bubble players like uh, Tomas Tatar really just earned that. Uh, he earned that, that spot, his spot on the roster for this season. He had four goals and his five and five numbers were really fantastic this preseason. And you figure he's probably going to play somewhere in the second and third lines. You know, he can kind of play anywhere in the top nine, whereas Janssen didn't really show that during the preseason. And it, you could even kind of sense that at the end of last season when uh, the Devils were just kind of hit with the injury bug. But Janssen was either playing in fourth line minutes or was even a healthy scratch. It kind of just felt like he fell out of favor with Lindy Ruff. Uh, he's still with the roster right now. And, you know, that's one thing when Nico Heischer, uh, whenever they activate him from IR, it's possible that they, I guess, move Janssen to uh, Utica. He wouldn't have to go on waivers again since they just put him on waivers on Friday, they have 30 days uh, where he doesn't have waiver status. So that's one possibility, but I'm not surprised by the move. It's just with Zetterlund and Holtz making the team too, and then you're going to have Mercer on the wing whenever uh, Heischer comes back. There just really wasn't a place for Janssen and, of course, a healthy Miles Wood too. So uh, he'll be there as an extra forward for the time being if injuries pop up you can definitely find someone a lot worse than Janssen to take that role so that's a good problem to have but uh, as far as his long-term position with the roster it's definitely tenuous at best yeah I I I think I'm pretty sure Fitz probably tried to find a trade partner yeah couldn't find anything placed him on waivers and you know if you couldn't find a trade partner and no one wanted to claim him on waivers I guess he's stuck with us for now. But to your point, really underwhelming preseason. Didn't really show a lot. 
I know when we traded for him a couple years back, we always thought it was going to be a nice, you know, top nine addition, you know, 40 points optimistically per season. And he kind of has produced at that rate, but just hasn't had the impact we thought he would. And with the coming up of Zetterlin and a lot of these wingers really making a name for themselves in the younger core of this team. He, he just seems to be the odd man out right now. Yeah. And that's just the way that things played out. So, you know, it's a tough situation for him, obviously, but you know, you never know when an injury strikes, you know, he could just pop back in. If he pops back in, in the lineup and produces, you know, he could find his way back in. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Maybe it's the wake up call he needed. Yeah. Now to a fan favorite. <laughs> Mason Gearston, uh, I think in the initial players put on waivers, he was not there. And I think there was quite a Twitter uproar uh, in the Devils community. He's a fan favorite in in the all the wrong ways. I think a lot of Devils fans did not want to see Mason taking another roster spot. He does serve a purpose, and it's a very goonish purpose and I think the Devils team and fans want to get past the point of having to give a roster spot to someone that's a negative on offense I don't even think he's a positive on defense he's just out there as a bodyguard I think it's I think the Devils if they want to take that next step and rightfully so do not need that and don't want that on the roster uh, I think the NHL has changed in its time where you need to have four all skill lines where you add in toughness throughout those lines, but you need to be, have some skill and that's just lacking there. Um, so I think it was a huge sigh of relief to see Mason Gearston put on waivers and nothing against him. I think this is just a devil's team that's hungry for wins, hungry for points, hungry for playoffs. And a lot of us don't see Mason fitting into that equation. Yeah, I'm like I'm not gonna bash the guy, and it's clear that he was pretty well liked by his teammates. Uh, but it's just like his spot in the roster now is just more that the fact that, and it's a little similar to what I was talking about before with Janssen. It's just that the Devils has kind of accumulated too much depth up front. Um, where like a player, there's just no place for Geertsen on their roster right now. If you kept them on the roster, then you, you risk losing someone like Boquist or. Uh, Nathan Bastion or Fabian Zettelin to waivers, and you just can't afford to do that right now. Uh, especially like someone like Zetterlin, even though I was expecting a little bit more from him in the preseason, he had a great season last year in the AHL, and he showed really well in his uh, 15, 14, 15 game stint with the Devils. And he's waivers eligible. You, you just you can't afford to put that him on waivers because he's someone with that would definitely get claimed, especially since his cap is below a million dollars. That's an easy, you lose him right away. Uh, same for Boquist, you know, he's been up and down in his devil's career, but the upside, you just, you, you keep him on the roster as long as you can. Uh, they obviously like Nathan Bastion because they reclaimed them off waivers from the Kraken last season. And I'm sure they want to keep him around. He's a good fourth liner. He's got good two way impacts. He can chip in a goal every once in a while. He's a little physical and he's a good four checker too. So you want him on your roster. There just really wasn't a place for Geertsen in this version of the Devils, uh, especially with guys like Mercer and Tatar kind of moving down the lineup now because they had got Palat and Holtz in the top six. So, yeah, it was the only move that Fitz could have made. And I 
would think that there's going to be points in the season where we see Gibson get called up, maybe, you know, ahead of a Rangers game who, you know, where they got Ryan Reeves and stuff like that. They did it last season. I'm not saying that's something they should do, but I could see it. So, um, I mean, yeah, that was just the way the cards fell this season with the roster they have. Definitely, definitely. Now, let's get into some player predictions, some individual expectations, and let's talk about the people that did make the roster. Let's start with goaltending. We have what seems to be a formidable duo in goal with Mackenzie Blackwood and Vitek Vanacek. Alex, let's start with Mac. What what do you expect from him? What some individual statistics, some some, you know, floors, some ceilings. What are your thoughts? Uh so Mac had an interesting preseason. Uh, like I said when we started off this uh episode that Islanders game wasn't particularly great at the end of last week, but otherwise he looked pretty good, I think most far for the most part in the preseason. But I'm not really sure what to expect for him. I I definitely expect him to be better than he was last season because he looks healthy. Um, well, is he going to be better than Vitek Vanacek? I'd probably say no. But I would think he's going to be at least a league average goaltender, probably even a little bit better. My guess for him this season would be to finish with like around a 908 save percentage with decent numbers at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, he's not going to be in the Vezina conversation for sure. But I'm expecting him to be a pretty significant contributor because he's gonna at least they're gonna at least split the net 50-50 between him and Vanacek unless Vanacek really runs away with the one A position. Um, but I'm expecting him to be better, and I'm expecting him to be at least an above average goaltender, much goaltender, much like what Vanacek was for the Capitals over the last co- uh, couple of seasons. So put pen to paper, Alex. Let's hear it. Give me, give me a goals against and give me a save percentage. Um, man, goals against is tough these days because offense is going up so much. But I'll say he finishes with like a two six five goals against and nine oh nine save percentage for the season. Okay, let's let's put it down. Yeah, I should two, definitely be writing this down. All right, two six five and a would you say it's nine oh nine save percentage nine oh nine. There we go. All right, put it in stone. Alex has spoken. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this team goes as far as Matt goes. I think you, you you hit it spot on with goals against and save percentage just above league average. I I really have nothing to change there and. You're the expert here, so we'll, we'll <laughs> defer to you on these project on these projections. I'm just along for the ride. All right, Alex. So now let's talk about his goalie tandem partner, Vitek Vanacek. Where do you see him coming in this season? Yeah, so I really liked Vanacek in the preseason. I thought he was the better of the two goalies, um, but you know, I it's it's tough to say because it, it looks like they're going to give Blackwood the. The, the nod here in the regular season opener just based off how the preseason ended. Um, but I really like what Vanacek did in the preseason. His 5-5 five and five numbers were fantastic, much like they were last season with the Washington Capitals. So I got him finishing with above a 9-10 save percentage first time in his career. I think he'll finish around like a 9-15, somewhere around there, and maybe, I don't know, say like a 2-5-1 goals against average or something like that. I think he's going to be really good for the Devils, and uh, they definitely need someone to be you know, back up Blackwood in some way or form. He just hasn't had that the last couple of seasons. So he should be really good for this team this season. 
Yeah, really looking forward to it. He's looked really sharp. His movement's been great. He he comes as advertised, if not better. We will see how he does on a new team. Uh, you know, the Caps have been a perennial winner, right? They've had good defense in front of him. They've had good play in front of him. So it'll be interesting to see how he does on this team. But let's be honest, Fitz has really reworked this defense. So hopefully it's it's not a step down for him. And, you know, fingers crossed, maybe it's even a step up. I, I'm getting a little ambitious there, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Now let's move to the defensive core here. I think the biggest name in this defensive core is Dougie Hamilton. Um, he had a stellar start to last season. Um, then obviously was riddled with some injuries with the jaw and toe. He comes in with a full off season of being a devil, enjoying all that this garden state has to offer and seems to really be becoming a team leader. Uh, you see him in all of the promotional work that the devils did over the, over the off season. I think he did something at six flags or something like that, or he, he did something with season ticket holders and was more involved in the community. So he, he really seems to be um, inserting himself into the devil's community, which you, you want to see. And, you know, let's be frank, he's getting paid to do it too. Uh, he, he, it's not like uh, he's, he's on a uh, veteran minimum contract here. So with that being said, what are your expectations for Dougie Hamilton going into this season? Yeah, so definitely a big bounce back season for Dougie. He looked healthy in the preseason, kind of looked like the old Dougie before the broken jaw and the broken toe. Um, I got him poised for probably, you know, 50 to 60 points as he was before he joined the Devils with the Hurricanes and even with the Calgary Flames. Um, Top pair minutes alongside Jonas Siegenthaler, I think, for most of the season. I'd be surprised if he wasn't the Devils' leading scorer among their defensemen. I guess maybe Severson, you never know. He's a pretty good point producer. But I would definitely take Hamilton as their leading point producer back there. I'd say maybe 55 points and double-digit goals, too. I'd say somewhere around 14, 15 goals probably be a good target for him. Uh, definitely going to be valuable as uh, asset for them, especially if they can get their power play in order. Yeah, definitely. I think the addition of Burnett uh, with Burnett, uh, running this power play. I think we have Brunette. seen in yeah. uh, Brunette. Sorry, geez, yeah. man, long day. Yeah. Brunette, <laughs> uh, yeah. With the addition of Brunette in, behind the bench, it, I think we have seen improvements to the power play in the preseason. Still a little shaky on the giving up of shorthanded goals, but yeah. I think that will improve once, uh, once the season gets going. But yeah, I agree. Big season from Dougie. It's gotta be 55 points or more. That's why we brought him in. That's why he's commanding, a $10 million a year contract. Um, and he's got a ridiculous shot, you know, ridiculous. The leverage he gets by just his sheer size. Um, so I agree, double digit goals. And, you know, it just seems like he has a seeing eye shot. You know, the puck knuckles ridiculously. Um, and, you know, hopefully, I'm just, I'm just hoping he, he is what his contract says he is. And let, let's see how that plays out. But yeah, big, big step up for Dougie this season. Now let's move along to someone you've already mentioned, Damon Severson. This is his contract year. Um, there's been talks of maybe trading him. Um, we'll see because that right side is so solidified. I think that determines about everyone behind him. But how do you see Damon's season playing out? 
Should be a good season for him again. He's Unless injuries just kind of kill the Devils, he's not going to be playing first pair of minutes like he did a lot of last season. Um, he's looks like he's going to at least start the season on the second uh, power play unit, so should be some opportunities for him to get points that way. But at 5-5, five five, probably be playing second or third pair of minutes, either alongside Ryan Graves or Brendan Smith to start the season, and hopefully Kevin Ball at some point too. Uh, I think it'll be pretty similar to what he did last season, around 40 points. Uh, I believe he had double-digit goals last season for the first time in his career. He did with 11. Yes. I don't know if he'll reach that again, but he should be able to contribute offensively back there. I would have him as the second-leading point scorer behind Hamilton on the blue line. I don't think that's, you know, that's probably a pretty safe bet considering everyone else is most, for the most part, they're not on Hamilton or Stevenson's level offensively on their blue line. Um He'll play a valuable role, and then we'll see what happens. You know, as far as his contract goes, if Nemitz shows at some point that he's ready, I, mean, I would think the Devils are going to trade him because I just can't see them re-signing him. But definitely a big year for him since his contract year. If he's not going to get paid by the Devils, he's going to get paid by someone next summer. So I expect a big year from him. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think it's important to note he was the only player outside of Dawson Mercer to tally eighty games last season. Um, so he was relatively healthy. Um, he's, I think, the longest tenured devil. Uh, left uh, yeah, that's team. probably right. Yep. So I think he he definitely has a voice in the locker room. Uh, I know he's mentioned that he would take somewhat of a hometown discount to stay here. I, I It's going to have to be a real big hometown <laughs> discount if he wants to yeah. stay because I just don't see where he fits in with how the devils have drafted and And I really think the final nail in the coffin, and we've talked about this before, was John Marino getting traded to the Devils. That John Marino trade really, I think, solidified it. And the Nemich pick, right? Maybe if the Devils went Shane Wright or or someone else, you could see Severson being here long term. But yeah, I mean, even Seamus Casey too. You know, drafting Seamus Casey is another right-handed defenseman. So. That rocket this weekend that he yeah. had for Michigan was. Yeah, he's going to have a big year in Michigan. It, at least it looks like it. Yeah, it looks like the top, you know, the top two defensemen for. Uh, University yeah, Luke of Hughes and Seamus Casey. Devils fans are going to enjoy that, that's for sure. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But to your point, let's get back to Damon. You know, he had a fantastic season last year 46 points, um, 11 goals, 35 assists. I. If everything stays well, he's in a contract year that might even have a slight uptick. And if he is playing that well, you know, it's an interesting conversation to be had because if the Devils are really in the thick of things and he's having another fantastic season, I know you don't want to lose him at the end of the season, but then you also don't want to, you know, upset the apple cart either by trading him away unless you're going to get a top, top, I, I would have to say winger at that point, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it depends what Nemitz does. Like, if Nemitz shows he's ready to play, just even third pair of minutes, I think you kind of just trade him away for whatever. Almost, I, I don't think the value would be great at that point because people, other teams are going to know that when they see Nemitz playing, they're going to know that there's not really a spot for Stevenson, so they're not going to give up their best assets for him. I mean, if the Devils are in the playoff conversation, I don't think they're going to trade Severson. Just maybe take the chance on losing him as a free agent next year, and then Nemitz, you know, take the spot in 2023. But it's definitely going to be an interesting storyline to watch throughout the season. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, his days could be numbered, and they might not be. Uh, we'll just have to see. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of disagree, though, with the not getting anything in return. Uh, you know, I, I feel like Kachuk had the Flames feet to the fire, no pun intended there. And look at the return they got there. And listen, I'm not saying that Severson's remotely in the same category as Kachuk, but I still think he warrants a first round pick and a prospect. Uh, you know, he is a yeah. top, top four um, point getting defenseman who's proven, you know, that he's able to do it season over season. So I think the return is higher than you might be letting on. And he'll probably perform at a really high level considering it's a contract year. So yeah. Um, interesting to see there. Interesting to see there. All right. Next on the list, John Marino. Uh, he's a new addition from the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's had an outstanding preseason. Uh, his numbers have been off the charts. I think he's been a fantastic addition, but more importantly, an incredible upgrade from Ty Smith. And he's under contract for four or five more years at a very favorable rate. Alex, how do you see John Marino's season playing out? So it looks like he might start the season as their second pair of defender because he's been playing alongside Ryan Graves. Uh, last, I think he was alongside Graves um, in that Bruins game. And then in practice over the weekend, he was also paired alongside Graves, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it's not that necessarily that uh, Severson did anything wrong. I think it's just, like you said, Marino had such a good preseason that Ruff is kind of looking to expand his role a little bit. Uh, he's going to get a lot of tough defensive minutes, I think, um, even if he's not playing with Jonas Siegenthaler. I just think you need, it's kind of a nice luxury to have when you have someone like Siegenthaler on your first pair who can handle tough defensive minutes, and then your second pair is either Graves or Graves and uh, Marino. That's pretty decent. Uh, he's going to play a big role in the penalty kill. I'm interested to see if his offensive numbers can rebound a little bit, uh, maybe a little closer to where he was as a rookie because they kind of trailed off his last two seasons. But the Penguins, uh, he definitely can move the puck. You saw that in the preseason. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he does. I'm not pegging him in for too many points. I'd probably have him maybe a 25-30 point score this year. But that's not really his thing. Anyways, it's just going to be his stat defensive game, which is really going to be a big improvement on the blue line from what they had last season in uh, Ty Smith, who they traded to the Penguins for Marino. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he might be, you know, second in ice time for all devils. Uh, that's going to be a little bit of prediction of mine. I think him and Graves will be the primary defensive duo on penalty kills. Um, you know, both taller defensemen, great reach. I think Marino has sneaky offensive upside and I'm maybe not from a points or goal scoring uh, perspective, but you know, I've been impressed with how he's been able to get the puck out of the zone and, and move it through the neutral zone. So, you know, I think, uh, you, he, you know, where he'll get his points are on helpers, you know, second assist primarily just, you know, uh, exiting the zone. And, you know, he seemed, he seems by all accounts a great skater as well. He he seems to be great on the rush and his anticipation it seems to be probably the best out of the defensive core. I've seen him make some great reads at the blue line, um, either knowing when to retreat or knowing when to step up. And that's been um, that's a huge skill as an NHL defenseman because I can remember in seasons past just watching Severson or someone else on the blue line just step up and you're like, what are you doing? Next thing you know, it's a two-on-o the other way or a two-on-one. Um, so I think he's going to be a great addition there. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like you said, that um, ability to step up to the blue line and make the right reads, 
something that those haven't always had in their defensemen, especially in recent years. So that'll definitely be an upgrade. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of pressure will be on him to get points. There's enough defensemen yeah, there that can that will have the offensive upside. And listen, I don't even think he needs to worry about shooting the puck because Ryan Graves is not scared to shoot the puck. Uh, yeah, as we've seen he doesn't score a lot, but he definitely has lots of shot attempts. So keep firing away, Ryan. Yeah, I mean Ryan Graves is just basically a cannon from the left side of the blue line. It's just, he'll shoot. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But last season it worked pretty well. He's for someone who doesn't really have a reputation as an offensive defenseman, he's a pretty high volume shooter and pretty underrated offensively. So it'd be interesting to see his season. I guess we could just transition into predictions for Ryan Graves here. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I the one the one point I do would like to make is is those two on a defensive pairing. I think it really gives the goaltenders a lot of peace of mind too. Uh, I don't think a lot of people will be entering the crease with those two around it because uh, they're both very physical and and will hold their own in, in that territory. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and then you have Jonas Siegenthal on your first pair doing that and Brendan Smith. It should be a little more reassuring to goalies this year. Definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, Ryan Graves, let's hit it. Yeah, I think he's actually, he had 28 points last season. I think uh, maybe a little bit more of a bump offensively since he's probably not going to be playing first pair of minutes too often this year i think i i could see him breaking the 30 point mark for the first time in his career like you said he well, shoots he, the puck all the time to be fair i think he he was on track if he played the full 82 he would have had 31 last season yeah but he had 28 points last season but how many games 75 so okay yeah so yeah he's probably a little bit over you would have been, yeah so i could definitely see it maybe around 35 points this season uh yeah like you said he's always shooting the puck um if it gets through, usually good things get happen. So I'm interested to see him, especially since he's probably going to be playing a reduced role, um, like second pair of minutes. Should be a, another solid season for him, who's a guy who's also in a contract year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and be interesting to see if the Devils wrap that up midseason too. Um, yeah. If, if his play dictates it, I'm all for having Ryan Graves on this team. Yeah, it's just interesting because, you know, you got Luke Hughes coming up. And then if you think Ball is going to contribute uh, this season, you have Ball, Hughes, Siegenthaler on the left side. It'll be interesting. Uh, they're going to have an interesting decision. With, it's probably just as interesting with Graves as it is with Severson. It's another storyline to watch this year. Completely agree. I think, though, I don't think Luke – do we think Luke's going to play next year on the big club? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could see him – Depending on when Michigan season ends this year, I couldn't even see him on the Devils roster and end the regular season. So uh, I don't think Luke is too far off at this point, especially if he just kills it at Michigan again. Could be seeing him in a few months' time. Okay, interesting. Let's move to the offensive core. I, I don't think you know we need to get into Siegenthaler or Smith. You know, pretty just stay-at-home defenseman. Uh, yeah. I don't think we really need to get into that. Let's start off with our buddy Miles Wood. You know, was out all of last season with a mysterious hips injury. Um, he's looked great in the preseason. Looks like he's still got his wheels. Looks like he's still the fastest player on the ice. Um, looks like he wants to get back in front of the net and get those dirty goals or get those goals off the rush. So where do you see Miles Wood coming in at? So I think he will have a good season back in that fourth-line role, either alongside McLeod or Bastion or uh, Zetterlin. The one concern I had with him in the preseason was how was he going to look you know, from a speed standpoint since he had hip surgery. 
Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, I think he was on pace. I'm trying to thank you. He was on pace for about 25 goals, I think, in that COVID shortened season. Um, I think he can definitely hit it again, especially if he's leading goal um, scorer for the Devils. Yeah, no, for sure. And if he's playing on um, a fourth uh, power play unit as a net front presence, you know, there's an opportunity for some, uh, I guess, dirty goals in front of the net there, which they kind of missed last season, um, other than maybe some stretches from Nathan Bastion where he looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's also in line for a bounce back season. Um, 20 goals, maybe, but I expect them to have maybe, I don't know, let's say 15 to 20 goals with around 30 to 35 points. My only prediction is is we're going to get at least three Gordie Howe hat tricks for Miles Wood this season. Yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to Zeus, as I like to call him, otherwise <laughs> known as Fabian Zetterland. Fabian is 23 years old, uh, had a great showing towards the end of last season, had a Decent preseason. I think a little bit of that was due to the immigration issues and not being with the team uh, from the starter, even before training camp, because we know that they had some captain skates before then. So he definitely, you know, started camp on on the back foot. But how do you see Fabian plugging in here? I think, you know, in a lot of people's eyes, he could be a breakout candidate for the Devils this season. Um, a lot of people might see him on a third line at highest, um, you know, maybe fourth line. But definitely, definitely there's some talent there. There could be something there. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, so I'm interested to see what his role is going to be to start the season. Um, he looked like he could play a middle six role last year, but they kind of their depth is pretty good now. So it's interesting to see where they're going to put him to start the season. Uh the fourth line is obviously an, an obvious spot if they don't want to play Bastion right away. But, you know, I'm not really sure that's the best fit for him. He seems like he has a little more skill where he could play somewhere in the middle six, at least like maybe a third line role. If he plays regularly, I could see him being someone who contributes maybe 15 goals and 35, 40 points. But I'm not sure how often they're going to use him. Uh, I guess his play to start the season will dictate how much of a regular he is if he produces Right off the bat, I think he'd probably win the job over someone like Nathan Bastion, whose offensive ceiling is limited. Um, but I'm definitely excited to see him because he just he looked really good at pretty much every level he played at last season, and the potential is there. He skates well for a guy who's just pretty much jacked out of his mind. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they use him, where they use him. But if they use him in a middle six role, I could definitely see him producing alongside guys like Tomasz Tatar or... Um, Eric Halla. Yeah, I think it could be interesting because, you, you know, one could argue that we could almost have two third lines here with, yeah. the defensive, with the offensive depth that this team has, especially at winger now. Um, once used to be a deficiency, I think we're still lacking at that high, high-end uh, winger talent. But I think from a middle six depth perspective, I think this team's really, really on its way. Um, so, you know, maybe it, on paper it says fourth line, but it, it really could be just those two lines splitting time. Yeah, I could see that. And, you know, certain situations may dictate, you know, one line playing as a third line and one line is playing as a fourth line. Like, you, you know, not every line is going to have a good night. So that's a good luxury to have for rough, too. You just kind of 
you can allocate your time based on how well a line is playing. If that Wood, McLeod, Zetterlin line is playing well, one game you could use them as a third line and kind of go from there. You take it on like a game-to-game basis, basically. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I definitely see him, you know, if he really wants to make a name for himself um, as a PK killer too, right? You know, I think um, yeah. you, you really uh, earn your place on a team if you, you put in some good penalty kill minutes. Yeah. And I think that goes a long way with Lindy as well. Yeah, I mean, I could even see him on the... He's not going to crack the first power play unit, but I could see him on the second power play unit too because of his shot. I mean, that's a nice... Holtz is probably going to be on that first power play unit. I could see Zetterlin as, I guess, the shooter on the second unit. Um, so if he's not killing penalties, he could find some value on the second power play unit. That's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Definitely, definitely. All right, let's move on to the kid from Newfoundland, Dawson <sighs> Mercer. Dawson had a fantastic breakout season as a rookie, a little bit unexpected, if you will. Um, he was drafted in the 20s uh, in the same draft as Holtz. Everyone had such high expectations for Holtz, but it was Mercer last season that really uh, exceeded expectations and for all intents and purposes, you know, was fantastic. Uh, did everything the team asked for him, was the only player to play 82 games, had 42 points, 17 goals, and 25 assists uh, as a rookie campaign, and I mean, sky's the limit with this kid, right, Alex? Yeah, I think he's, I don't know if breakout's the right word to describe what he's going to do this year, but I'm, I definitely think he's going to have a noticeable jump in production. Uh, you know, I think he'll crack 20 goals, um, even maybe 25 goals. I could see that as a possibility. Um, 50, 55 points. I think his production could look a little bit similar to what Sharon Govich has done uh, his first two years in the league, maybe even a little bit better. Um, it's interesting to see where he's going to play um i mean he'll definitely be a winger when he shows back because there's just not a spot for him down the middle unless someone else gets injured um if he's a winger is he going to be playing like on the third line with Halla and tatar because that'd be that could be a really good third line or say let's halt you know he gets off to a good start but he struggles a little bit goes through like a bit of a slump and you know Ruff wants to move him around will mercer pop up to like the first line with jack hughes or something like nico he there's just a lot of places you can use him in the lineup um, so it, I, there's going to be opportunities for him to score. And I think he's going to be, even if he's not starting the season in a top six role, he's going to play top six minutes at some point during the season. So he's going to have opportunities to score. And I think he's going to be a really valuable complimentary uh, goal scorer for them this season. Yeah. The ultimate Swiss knife. I know he's not yeah. Swiss. We have two other Swiss players on the team, but <laughs> the ultimate Swiss knife, this kid can play anywhere. Yeah. I mean, his forechecking is incredible. You always see him stealing the puck in, in the offensive zone. And, yeah, I, I'm putting him in for 60 points, Alex. So, All right. Um, I'm, nice. I'm really that's, a, that's a bit of a bold prediction right there. Yeah, well, if you think that's bold, wait, wait, wait. And oh, see okay. What else I, uh, I guess that's sleeve. nothing. That, well, we've got, <laughs> all right. We'll have to wait for the end of this episode. <laughs> um, let's move on to Andre Palat, the quote-unquote big acquisition this offseason, two-time Stanley Cup winning player, winger, um, from all intents and purposes, it looks like he'll slot into the top line next to Jack and insert winger, probably Holtz. How do you see Palat playing out? Yeah, so I think you just the guy, you know what you're going to get from him at this point. He's entering, I think, his 10th year in the league or 
some somewhere around there, and he's just been basically the same player through his ten years in the league. Uh, he averaged twenty goals and fifty five points for eighty two games over the last three seasons with the Lightning, and he's going to play top six minutes alongside some skilled players. So I expect his production to be pretty similar. Uh, twenty goals, um, you know, give or take, he'd probably be around there, but I'd have him somewhere, let's say. Around 18, 19 goals and maybe cracking the 50-point mark. Probably get some power play time too. And you know, these this is one of those things you just you can't quantify. There's no way to do it. But like what he will add to the locker room as a veteran and going through all those Stanley Cup appearances and the wins with the Tampa Bay Lightning is gonna be invaluable for a team that's still very young, even after adding guys like Palat and Hall and Brandon Smith, who are in their early 30s. Um, that's something you just, there's no way to quantify that. And he said himself, he's not really a vocal leader. He's a leader by example kind of thing, but like the little things he does on the ice will rub off on other players. And I think that's something that's invaluable for a team that's kind of looking to take that next step to be a playoff contender. Yeah. I think it, I think it's just going to be great to have a competent winger next to Yeah. For a full yeah. entire season, you know. I mean, it's he's not definitely be... an upgrade over Zaka. That's for sure. No offense to Zaka, but like you know, Palat's just consistently been like a twenty goal, fifty point guy. So that's definitely a nice addition to their top six. Yeah, hundred percent. So really looking forward to what he brings. Um, yeah, to your point, you really can't quantify. You know, there's not a stat line that we're going to be able to read at the end of the season that says, "Oh, Palat did this." But I think where we'll really see what plot brings is going to be seen with the maturation of the young players on this team. And if they really take that step forward, how to prepare for games, how to, you know, behave when you go on the road and you're away from your home and, and different things like that. And not saying that we have any troublemakers or anything like that on the team, but I think there's (laughs) something to be said for, you know, how to be a professional in this league. And I think Palat definitely will show that to the, to the younger folks on the team. Yeah. I agree hundred percent with that. All right. Let's move on to Igor Sharon Govich. Um, since the last episode, and I think it actually happened before the last episode and we should have shouted it out because he is one of our favorite players, but we want to uh, issue a congratulations to the Sharon Govich's. Uh, his wife is pregnant. So, uh, Igor Jr. Uh, is on the way. I, I'm not sure of the sex of the baby, but uh, very, uh, very much congratulations to them. Yeah, 100%. Baby Igor, um, you know, fan favorite here. So congratulations. Not just us, obviously, the whole fan base loves Igor, just completely wholesome guy. So congratulations to the both of them on the, the great news. He is up there for definitely best wrister on the team, but I think without a doubt he has the best smile on the team, so or the most infectious smile. So uh, looking forward to some post-game interviews from, from Yeezy with Amanda Stein or Erica Wachter. But Alex, how do you see Yeezy's season playing out? So I was pretty impressed with him in the preseason, um, and he kind of just did it quietly, but I thought he, was, he looked really good. Um how many goals he scores this year? I think 30 is definitely a possibility for him. He's, he's got the shot. That wrister he scored against uh, the Bruins on Saturday night was pretty impressive. Kind of a vintage Sharon Govich shot there. He's going to be playing top six minutes, but I also could see him. I mean, that last um, practice session they had him on the third line with Halla and Zetterlin, I want to say. 
if you're moving Sharon Govich into like a third line role, that speaks volumes to your depth. So maybe the production dips a little bit, but you know, if he's playing some power play minutes too, and I'm sure even if he starts on the third line, he's going to play with Heischer and Hughes at some point. You know, certain game situations will just dictate that. But I think 30 goals and you know around 55 points is definitely a reasonable target for him. Um, I think he could hit it for the first time in his career. Yeah, no, really looking forward to it. And it's kind of shocking that he's only been here two seasons and we can say he has a vintage shot. Um, yeah. It, it confuses the hell out of goaltenders. He's able to shoot through defenders' legs. Um, it, it, I just don't think goalies have a good good read on when the puck comes off his stick. It's such a quick snapshot that it's, it's fun to watch because sometimes as a viewer, you don't even see it yourself. You're like, Oh, there it is, you know, and next thing you know, the goal song's on. So it, he's really fun to watch um, and, and really excited. And and if I'm correct, it's a contract year for him as well, correct? Yeah, he'll be a restricted free agent next summer. Okay, so, you know, I think he's he's going to want to prove himself. I think he's going to want to establish himself as a 25 to 30 uh, a year goal scorer. So uh, very excited to see what he can bring. And I think he'll slot nicely into the top six. Yep, I agree with that. All right, let's move down the list to Alexander the Great. And let's 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 be honest here. The Devils are all in on Alexander the Great. They even posted something on Twitter. We ride at dawn uh, with Alexander's face on a painting of Alexander the Great. So let's hear it. What are your expectations for the number seven overall pick? from two years ago. So he definitely looked like an improved player in the preseason. Um, his on-ice stats were pretty good, but I was, like we had talked about in the beginning of the show, I was kind of impressed with um, some of the improvements he made in his board play, and he looked uh, quicker in transition for sure. You know, we already know about the shot, but his playmaking, even though I had thought as a prospect he was, it was even pretty underrated, he kind of showed that in the preseason that his playmaking was pretty good. So it's not going to just be about him, you know, ripping his shot. Uh, he's going to be able to set up his line mates for goals. Uh, I don't think he's he's probably not going to be a play driver, but I mean, if he's playing with Hughes and he's sure that doesn't really matter, it's just get the puck in the back of the net and put some offense up. Um, it's, I'm interested to see what his his totals are going to look like by the end of the season. If he really sticks with Hughes, I think he can put up some pretty significant totals, but I'm... I'm going to play it a little conservative here and say his production kind of looks similar to Sharon Go, which is in his first two years. So maybe we're talking like 25 goals and 50 points or something like that. But the potential is definitely higher. And if he really gels with Hughes, especially as the season goes on, I could see some 30 goal, 60 point kind of stuff. Yeah, I completely agree, Alex. I think Colts is going to, you know, have a great season. Um, I think, I think he's definitely going to have 25 goals. I think that's going to be a minimum if he's going to stay up and have an impact. Um, and I think, you know, to, to piggyback off a conversation we had about Palat, I think Palat's going to have a huge influence on him. I think Palat could be a big mentor for him and how to become an NHL player, an everyday NHL player. Um, you know, Palat's been on teams with supreme skill, and I think Palat can really have that influence on him. Um, and how to prepare for NHL games, how to how to make it through an 82 game season. Um, so I think that's that's you know going to be huge. And yeah, holds th- this is make it or break it for him. Really, frankly, um, I, I don't think we want to see Holtz turn into another Zaka. I think Holtz 
can definitely has the shot and the playmaking ability. I think he just needs to do it consistently. And I think they're going to give him every opportunity to do so. Yeah, I agree with that. And like you said, I think Palat, obviously the off the ice stuff will be huge for Holtz too, but I think on the ice, I mean, Palat's a really good playmaker. He can get him the puck in scoring uh, situations. So I, he'll definitely help if that line has chemistry and they don't get broken up. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's move on to another fan favorite and a huge breakout season last year. Uh, I think we all knew it was in the tank, just hadn't seen it consistently. But if he played a full two, a full 82-game season, he was on pace for 79 points, 28 goals, 51 assists. Um, Jesper Bratt, how do you see his season playing out? Um, so I'm pretty much thinking it's going to play out the way it did last year. Um, you know, no reason to believe it won't. Uh, I don't think he's just going to suddenly turn into a 50-point score again unless he has like some really poor injury luck or shooting luck or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a contract year for him again. Obviously, everyone knows that he only signed a one-year kind of prove-it deal this summer. And if he proves it, I'm pretty sure the Devils will just give him a blank check and be like, oh, you know, write out your number. Here you go. So, big year for him. He's going to have a top-six role. I thought he had a good preseason, too, so didn't really, didn't really see any signs of, you know, some regression coming. Uh, I would probably put him – on pace for something similar to what he scored last year. So let's say maybe 75 points in 82 games or something like that. I think it's going to look pretty similar to what he did last season. And hopefully that leads to a long-term contract with the Devils. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I hope that they get this contract situation done mid season. I don't want this hanging over the team's head for the entire season. Uh, he was their most impactful player last season for the entire season. I know some would argue Jack, but Jesper played 76 games. Jack played 49. So in my eyes, Jesper was the most impactful player for the team last year. Uh, he really came on the scene. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a whole damn, ins- you know, Twitter following around <laughs> him now. Shout out to the Brat Pack. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm going to go even above it. I think he's an 80-point player. I think um, if he gets a full season next to Nico, especially with an improved power play, I could really see him going above 80 points. I mean, that's, that's the thing like Jack and Jesper and Nico, they all had, you know, great seasons last year with an absolutely historically bad power play. So if that could even just move up 10, 15%, like, you know, it, that's just going to do wonders for their point totals as well. Yeah, so. I, yeah, I think that's something maybe I'm not even considering when I'm giving these predictions here. It's just the power play was so bad last season. But like, even if it's just a league average power play this year, so like say around 20%, it's going to make a big difference for some of these guys' outputs. So, you know, I might not be predicting 80 points for just Rat, but I can definitely see it, especially if that power play is improved. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's move along to the captain. Uh, Nico had a – all counts was on pace for 70 points last year. He had 60 because he only played 70 games. He has caught the injury bug a couple times and has caught it in the preseason here with what was initially believed to be cramps, now has turned into a strained hamstring and is currently on the injured reserve list to start the season or at least – well. I can't go there yet because the season starts Thursday and I'm eternally optimistic that he will be on the opening <laughs> night roster. 
But Nico Heischer, where do you see him coming at, um, the captain of the team? So he's going to have good line mates again, probably just for Brad from most of the season because those guys have just had chemistry together since they came into the league, what was that, in 2017-18. So I would think he's going to be his primary line mate uh, for a lot of the season. You know, I mean, people do question Nico Heischer's health a little bit, and I understand where they're coming from. But you know the injuries he dealt with during his the during the COVID shortened season were more just kind of fluke injuries. You know, if I remember right, the off season injury he had was someone like stepped on his leg while he was skating in Switzerland or something like that. If I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure, but I, if I remember right, that's what it was. And then everyone remembers the the fractured uh, what was it orbital bone or his n- uh, nasal fractured nose? I think when PK Subban shot. Uh, deflected into his face I mean, that, that's just like bad luck so it's not necessarily that he's injury prone or anything like that if he starts having like soft tissue issue soft tissue issues like he is with a strained hamstring or something Say that like five times I, fast for me alex yeah i'm not doing that again i probably should have thought that one out a little uh, better before i said it but um yeah if he starts having more issues like that and i'm not going to try repeating that quickly again uh, then I'd be concerned. But if he stays healthy, I think also his season will look pretty similar to as it did last season. You know, something around a 70-point play uh, pace, like you said, with Jesper, power play, if it's better, should benefit him, especially him. I think he really struggled on the power play to produce last season. And he's going to be playing with good line mates, whether it's Brat and Sharon Govich or Mercer and Palat, something like that. He's going to be There are going to be opportunities for him to score. So you know, he'll be right there with Jesper and Jack Hughes as the top, the team's top scorers. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he will have two solid wingers. I think throughout Nico's career, with the exception of the year he played with Taylor, he's really had to be the driver on his line. He's had to drag his line mates with him. I think at one point last year, he was playing with a VC and a Zaka. So yeah, I think there's yeah, even a little just, VC and Bastion there too. It was it was rough and like in the middle it was of the season. Night, I remember. Nightmarish. It was nightmarish, uh, yeah. to say the least. So it will be nice to see him with some competent wingers. You know, I think if you have Brat and Sharon, I, I, I can only imagine if if the line is Brat, Nico, and Sharon Govich, how much Sharon Govich is licking his lips uh, with Nico and Brat on their lines with how great they are about distributing the puck. Yeah, I mean, if Sharon Govich is with Heischer and Brat as like his most kind, common linemates this season, then I would definitely bet on him potting 30 goals for the first time in his career. That's just like the ideal situation for him, um, unless I guess he's with Jack Hughes. But even then, Heischer and Brat, that's, he'll definitely benefit from that. There's no doubt about that. 100%, 100%. All right, and let's move to the last player I have on our list for today, the one and only Jack Hughes. Yes. Now, Jack had had in his breakout season last year, he only played 49 games. But in those 49 games, he had 26 goals, 30 assists, totaling for 56 points in a full 82-game season that would have put him at 94 points. Alex, where do you see Jack finishing this season? So definitely big season for Jack. Um, the injuries he had last season were just more bad luck than anything. You know, Jeremy Lausanne puts a hard hit on him. He falls awkwardly on his shoulder. Nothing you're going to do about that. And then the Oliver Wallstrom hit was just kind of unfortunate timing. Two guys were, kind of just ran into each other. There was nothing malicious about it. And, you know, ended his season. But if he I stays healthy. I don't believe that, but 
keep going. Yeah, I'm probably going to get ripped on Twitter for saying that tomorrow when this podcast goes live, but whatever, it's Twitter. Um, but I do expect Jack to have a big season if he stays healthy. I, he's over a point per game, as I think. If you're, if you're saying under point per game, I think that's being way too conservative for him. I'd definitely say if he stays healthy, 90 to 100 points is in the discussion for him. No doubt about it. Especially if the power play is improved, like I said for Nico, he's going to be the Devils' leading scorer. He's, I think he people will finally start realizing him around the league, just not Devils fans because Devils fans know how good he is already. But if he stays healthy and he puts up like ninety five something points, think, people around the league are going to start taking notice of him. I think Devils fans are ready to erect a statue. Uh, so I think you know <laughs> Devils fans are very excited about what Jack can bring, but. I think there's pockets of true NHL fandom that know Jack's the guy. Jack has it. Jack has it yeah. in him. Um, yeah, I think it's 95 plus this season for him. I think he's going to be outrageous. He, if not Jesper, he's the second best skater. I mean, I think it's it's up for grabs between those two. Jack is he, he dances on the ice. It is just magical what he can do with the puck. I'm really excited to see what he can do for this season. Um, fingers crossed it's a healthy one, um, and, and we can really see what his full potential brings. Yeah. Um, I mean, the dev- there's obviously Blackwood, but if Blackwood struggles just a little bit and Vanacek is really good and Jack Hughes just dominates, you know, I'm not sure how much it'll matter. Um, I think, the, you know, if the Devils are winning, people will definitely take notice of him, especially if they make the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I think it's going to be a really, really big year for him. And just to think he's only 21 years old right now. So, you know, this could be could be some of his prime hockey coming up the next few years. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's going to be a really exciting time. All right, let's move on to overall team projections. Um, let's start with line projections. Alex, how do you see the top four lines? I, I, I think the defensive pairing we really don't need to get into. I think it's pretty much... Yeah. set outside of the uh, bottom pairing where we might see a rotation of players of um, Smith, I guess, Nemich now and, uh, and ball, but let's move to the forwards. How do you, how do you see the, let's start with the top line and work our way down. Yeah. So we kind of even hinted at this a little bit uh, beforehand, but I think to start the season, we're going to see Palat, Hughes and Holtz. Uh, it's just that they've, played basically the whole preseason together. So I don't see any reason why you would break it up now, at least give them a, a little bit of a run here to start the regular season. They look good in the preseason. So why not? Um, especially I think right now for where Holtz is going to be to start the season, playing him with Hughes is probably the best fit. So um, yeah, that should be, I guess that's probably the easiest guess for the first line to start the season. Yeah. I have no, I have no changes to that. I completely agree. Let's let, uh, let's let the water start flowing on that H2O line. Yeah. I see what you did. It took me a second to realize what oh, you're doing. I've got I've got yeah. bad puns for days, oh, Alex. Oh man, dude, I'm I'm terrible with puns. Also, I don't do it on Twitter all the time, but I'm I'm yeah, I've got some horrible dad puns as well. All right, let's move down to the second line. How do you see that shaking out? Uh, so if Heacher doesn't start the season, I think Mercer will be centering uh, centering it. Well, um, for all intents and purposes, let's just let's let's go with a full season outlook here. How do you okay, see? Yeah. Yeah, how do you see that? Yeah, so second line. Yeah, for all of our listeners, we are assuming Nico is healthy, playing on a regular basis. Maybe if he misses the first game, fine. Let's look to the Red Wings game. How do (laughs) do you see that second line uh, looking out? 
All right, so second line, assuming that, you know, Heischer is healthy. Based on how they did practice on Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Tatar get a shot with Heischer to start the uh, uh, season on the second line. So I'll go with Tatar, Heischer, and Brat. They have good history about it. Todd Cordell wrote about it in his piece for Infernal Access this morning. Um, so, yeah, I could see Tatar, uh, Heischer, and Brat start. And Tatar had a great preseason, so why not? So, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, to start uh, the season for the second. All right, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you there, Alex. It's good we get a little disagreement. Can't always be agreeing here. So exactly. So I think I think it's gonna be Nico, Sharon Govich, and Brett. Yeah, I I can see that. That brings you incredible offensive upside. You have you know Nico, who's great defensively, and Brett, who has really good defensive numbers, despite you know some public opinion or despite John Hines's opinion. Uh, I think uh, I think that's that's a great second line, and and I really think to get the most upside out of Sharon Govich, you got to have him next to a Nico or a Hughes. Yeah, I could see. I agree with that. You need someone who can get him in, in shooting position, so I can see that. Yeah, definitely. All right, third line. What what are you seeing? So since I had Tatar on the second line, I'm going to be putting Sharon Govich here with Eric Halla and Dawson Mercer to start on the third line, which. Um, you know, I, it's a bit interesting because Hala needs players who can drive a line, and so can does Sharon Govich, though to a lesser extent. But Mercer can do that. So, um, I think if your third line is Sharon Govich, Hala, and Mercer, that's pretty legit. There are not that many teams that could boast a third line with guys who have potential to put in twenty goals. All three guys. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. All right. Yeah. I mean, obviously we disagreed on the second line, so I'll bring some disagreement here to the third line as well. I really see this third line actually turning out to be a shutdown line for the Devils. I think you're going to have Mercer, Hala, and Tatar. I think that is going to be an absolute nightmare for other teams' top lines. Um, I think Hala's great at the dot. Mercer is just a pain in the butt to play against. I can really see him getting other team skins under uh, other teams' skin, uh, his skating ability, his the way he tracks the puck, the way he can forecheck, um, and same with Tatar. I think Tatar's really hungry for this season. I think he's playing for a contract as well. So, um, and, and you know, not to say that this line this line has an offensive upside as well. Mercer can score, Tatar can score, um, and Hala can hold his own. So I really see this third line being very pivotal for the Devils. Yeah, and that's a good third line. If that ends up being the third line too, I'd have no issues with that. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, it could be a second line on some teams as well, to be yeah, honest with no, you, definitely. With, that, with that talent. All right, now to the fourth line. So this is where it could get a little fun here. Um, I'll let you go first, but I think I'm going to be a little bit more fun or a little funky here with my line selection all right so definitely miles wood definitely gonna be the left winger yeah staples he's a yeah uh on the right wing i think they i would start zetterlin there but i could see them starting bastion too but i'm gonna go with zetterlin so you have wood on zetterlin on the wing and then absolute man rockets on the wings there yeah Geez, Zetterlin and Wood walking into a bar together. Hide your wives. <laughs> yeah, good luck there. I mean, you just might as well give up at that point, honestly. Just hand them over. But, um, yeah, I think the center's thing there is 
Interesting. Um, McLeod's going to start the season until there's a resolution with the Hockey Canada investigation. So I'm I'm going to go with him as the center. So we'll go with Wood, McLeod, and Zetterland as your fourth line to start. So I agree with your wingers. I think Wood and Zetterland are definitely locked in for wingers on the yeah. fourth line. I think I, I, um, I know where you're going with center here. I have an idea, but I'll let you say it. We'll all right, we'll see. Uh, yeah. I think they bring speed, they bring physicality, and and they also bring offensive upside. Uh, Wood's been known to score above 20 goals. I think Zetterlin has the capability of doing that with the shot he has. Uh, and then down the middle, I'm going to go with our boy Nathan Bastion. Yeah, I think, that's where I thought uh, you were going. Yeah, I you know I I just think if you make this a a hard fourth line. And I think Bastion brings that physicality. He's got decent hands in front of the net. He can hold his own. I'll be interested to see what his percentages uh, in the dot look like over an extended period of time, but he's played center before. Um, I don't think this team has the reliance on McLeod winning faceoffs like it once did in the past. And God hope, uh, God help us if that's still the case, because I can't, can't be watching McLeod come in for a defensive zone face-off and then shipping him off the ice as soon as they get the puck out of the zone because that was just so annoying to watch and so disjointed. Um, so, yeah, I really see this as, as a, you know, maybe it's not that opening night. I, I'll admit that, but I could really see this being the fourth line that settles in. Yeah, I mean, they did try Bastion in a preseason game at center. I forget which one it was, but they did give him a look there. So they're definitely thinking, you know, a bit long-term here if they need a someone to step in in that fourth line uh, center role with, you know, whatever happens with McLeod. But definitely thinking that with Bastion. So I like it. I think it's fun. I actually get hope we get to see it at some point because there's definitely potential there if Bastion can handle the center role the way he needs to. Oh, that could be that could be a hell of a line because they could yeah. – they'll outskate people. They'll knock people on their ass. And they'll actually score a few goals. Yeah, no, there's there's a little bit of everything on that line. So, um, yeah, as a fourth line, I think that's kind of what you want, a little bit of everything and some physicality as well. All right, now to the point of the show that I think a lot of people are eagerly waiting for. Not for my opinion, but yours, Alex. Um, <laughs> how does the team finish? Where in the standings? You can give me a couple point totals if you'd like. Just give me one second. I'm going to pull up a all the predictions that a number of the sites had or any of these analytics sites so fans had the devils with 86 vegas odds have them with 88 bull sink bot had them with 73 they must have been drunk the athletic has them with 92 j fresh with 93 Evolving hockey with 97. To be fair, they might be drunk too. Money puck, 97. Top down hockey, 92. 538, 79. Oh, terrible outfit there at 538. Just kidding, but uh, I definitely disagree with that. And then hockey viz at 88. So there, there's a little bit of room here. It's not all consistent. Some some have them as the perennial losers that they've been. Some have them as just missing the playoffs. Some have them on the verge of playoffs, and some have them, you know, would would probably be a top three in the division if they were to get 97 points or close to it. 
Alex, where do you see them coming in? Yeah, so I think the 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 predictions that I have them at ninety seven points might be a little bit. I think they might be a little bit too high on the Devils. I mean, I could see it, but that's not where I would predict them. And then at the same time, on the other uh, end of things, yeah, if you think you're predicting the Devils to finish below eighty points, I don't really think that's legit either. I'd have them probably finishing somewhere around ninety to ninety-five points, probably closer to ninety. Uh, I think they'll be in the playoff mix uh, for sure in the Metropolitan Division. Um, whether they get in, uh, I don't know. It's kind of tough to say. You know, the top teams in the Metropolitan Division are still pretty good. The Caps, the Pens. I need an answer, Alex. Playoffs yeah. or no playoffs? I'd have to say no playoffs, but I think they'll be right there, a couple points short. I have them finishing probably with like ninety-two points somewhere around there. But you know, I'd be happy to be wrong about that. I could definitely see them making the playoffs, especially if their goaltending is better than we expected to, and their power play is better because. I think at five and five, they're going to have the scoring. That's not really going to be an issue. And I think their defense is definitely going to be improved at five and five too. Um, it's really just kind of hoping you get the goal setting you need and some improvement on special teams, specifically the power play. But they're going to be there. There's that roster is like there's no excuse anymore. They they're good enough to be competitive. So for me, I have them at ninety two points, probably fifth in the division, but just outside of the playoffs. Um, maybe they're lucky and someone the Atlantic isn't as good as we expect it to be. They can make it there, but. I wouldn't bet on that. So they should be good, though. I think people will enjoy watching them this season. I don't. Yeah, I don't think people are going to be pulling their hair out more often than not. It should be a competitive, fun season to watch, and the roster is definitely good enough where it should be like that. Yeah, uh, I'm the eternal optimist on this podcast, so I think one of the two, the Capitals or Pittsburgh takes a step back and I think this is finally the year that one of those teams do it and I think that's where the Devils will slot in I think they'll be a wild card team uh, mid 90s in the points if we were for taking record 95 I think that gets them second wild card yeah it should uh, yeah and and I really I really see this the time is now to your point there's no more excuses we're not the youngest team you know we're not the most inexperienced team we have goaltending knock on wood we have a a legit top nine we have a defense that i think could be top five in the eastern conference um yeah the times now Um, yeah i know my mom's like oh yeah you always say they're making the playoffs well if you're listening mrs mom fisherman whatever the hell we're calling you they're making the playoffs. fisherman yeah well we'll reserve that for my wife but um (laughs) All right, now to my favorite part, bold predictions. Alex, I'm going to ask you for three bold predictions. All right, so my first one is Jack Hughes will be a Hart Trophy finalist. Um, you son of a gun. All right. Is I that, one, is that one of yours too? Yeah. Yep. All right, Keep so going. hey, that's good. All right, um, fine. I, we're, we're, we both agree that's, that's one bold prediction we'll both agree on, yep. Yeah, so I could, I mean, it's definitely, uh, I could definitely see it. Like, you know, and, just and like I he, talked about. They would have to make the playoffs for him to be there, right? Yeah, 100%. You, I agree with they that. They would have, yeah, if if he's going to be a, a heart finalist, they're going to have to be in the playoffs. That's, yeah. You don't, you don't give that to teams that aren't in the playoffs. Yeah, unless you're like Connor McDavid and you have 150 points on a bad team, you just have to give the trophy to the guy because he's so ridiculously good. 
But yeah, that's one of them. Um, my next one is Vitek Vanacek will become the runaway 1A goalie uh, at some point in the season. Um, you know, I think just based off what he did in the preseason, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that happens. So that's bold prediction number two. And then the third one I had a couple I was thinking about, but the one I'm going to go with is John Marino ends up logging the toughest competition among Devils defensemen, even more than Jonas Siegenthaler. I think Ruff is going to really love him and, and he's going to use him in defensive situations more often than not. And I think he'll he'll end up playing the hardest defensive minutes of any Devils defenseman this year. All right. Fantastic. You heard it here first. Alex Shavanti's three bold predictions. You have Jack Hughes being a heart finalist, Vitek Vanacek being the runaway 1A, and John Marino logging the toughest defensive minutes for the team. All right. So uh, I think we agree both on the heart. I think that's yep. I think that's a bold prediction from both of us. My second one, Nico Hishier, Selkie finalist. Oh, that's a good one. I, I, hint, I've, I hinted at this in a previous pod, but if if you know they're going to be a playoff team, Nico's going to be have to you know have another stellar season, and I think he's got Selkie written all over him. So yeah, his we'll defensive how, impacts improved a lot last season, so that's a good one. I like I like that one. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's what we hoped for when they drafted him. I knew I think we all knew we weren't getting Austin Matthews, but I think we all thought that it was. Maybe Patrice Bergeron light. So yeah, uh, Selkie finalist. All right. My final bold prediction will be Damon Severson is traded at the deadline for a top six winger. Oh, okay. That's a good one too. Um, yeah, we talked about that earlier in the podcast and there's a lot of ways that could go, but that's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So I, and, and I think, you know, Honorable mention would be Jesper Bratt is signed to a long year, eight year deal um, before before the trade deadline. Okay, yeah, I don't even know I was, if that's a bold prediction. As so, yeah, I was going to say I'm not sure how bold that business is. Business as usual, yeah, business as yeah. usual. But that's why it got it, it, it. It's on the cutting room floor. So, yeah, there we have it. Now, um, Alex, I think you know. I think we hit on everything. Um, it's time for some regular season hockey. Um, Alex, why don't you tell everyone where we can find you on the internet? Yeah, so my Twitter handle is AlexC underscore uh, THW. I'm working on my devil season preview as we speak. Uh, it's going to be a doozy. I'm like not even halfway done with it, and I already got close to 2,000 words. So um, have that up Wednesday morning at the latest. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I'm going to write something uh, pretty short, I would think, on Kevin Ball and uh, Simon Nemitz, unless you know something came up on Twitter while we were recording this and would explain the whole situation. But I'll have that tomorrow. Um, also, you can find this podcast on Twitter now. I created an account right before we recorded. It's at NJD underscore on the rush. I tweeted it out on my own personal account, so if you're having trouble finding it, I even pin that tweet on my account so you can go follow us there i'll be posting obviously every episode we record to my personal account and then that account as well and i'll be tweeting on the njd on the rush account from time to time but 
not too often. That's more so going to be for the podcast. But if you haven't followed that yet and you're listening to this and you realize, oh, there's an account for the podcast now, go follow there because we'll be posting everything related to the podcast there and some devil stuff, of course. Yeah, I still got to swindle Alex to give me the keys to the Twitter account. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know if oh, he trusts us right. yet. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're, the season is upon us. Um, I'll be at the game on Thursday. Alex, I assume you'll be watching. Uh, yeah, I'm actually home. doing the takeaways post for the Thursday game. So I'll have a recap of that the following morning. Awesome. And fingers crossed, if not next weekend, the weekend after, we hope to have a guest on the pod still to be determined. We're in talks, um, but look forward for more to come. I'm going to do my best to edit and get this out tonight so people can have it on their morning commute tomorrow. But if not, uh, don't hold it against me. I will try and get it out tomorrow. Sounds good. All right. With that, go Devils. Go Devils.